on this uh, rainy, dreary Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. <clears throat> There's nothing like coming into uh, a place together uh, to be able to uh, worship God together. And uh, every time that I get the opportunity together with friends and family, I, I never want to be found taking it for granted because I know that it's in places like this that we receive our strength. And uh, so I encourage you uh, over the next hour, uh, just forget about everything, everything you've got going on, everything that happened yesterday or what you have going on this coming week. And, and uh, let's take this hour just to focus and concentrate on our Lord and Savior, God, and uh, the things that He has blessed us with. And let's just worship Him with everything that's in us. Father, we come before you today. God, we are so thankful to be able to come together to lift up your name. God, I pray that as we gather here that we will lift your name up and God, that we'll be challenged by your word. Father, that we can leave here knowing that you love us, that you're concerned about our situation. God, we prepare to worship you, receive our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In this time of desperation 
chapter 15, the, uh, there's a series of parables that are told. 
And the very first one in Luke chapter 15 is the parable of the lost sheep. And in that parable, Jesus said, he said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and 99 are okay, but there's one sheep that's lost. He says, a good shepherd will leave those 99 and go look for the one. And as I look at my life and I look at the lives of the people around me, I understand that we were that one. We were the one that Jesus said, I'm coming after you. And the people all around that that are still that one, Jesus says, I'll never stop. I'll never stop. I'm the good shepherd. I'll never stop coming after you. And you may have walked in here this morning. You may be watching online this morning. And you may think, well, not me. Uh, I, I'm too far gone. Not me. I've made too many mistakes. Not me, but all of our excuses. God wants you to know that he loves you. With a never-ending love. He loves you just like a good shepherd. And he says, no matter where you are no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, I'm gonna keep coming after you because I love you. How many people are thankful for God's love this morning? Father, I come before you this morning and God, I'm so thankful. God, that you loved me so much that you sent your son to die. God, I pray that as we continue to seek you, God, as we continue to go after you, God, that you will allow us to know and feel your love. God, a love that we don't deserve, that we can't earn, but God, that you give to us. God, I'm thankful for each and every person that's here today. God, for their commitment. God, I pray that as we go into your word this morning, Father, that you will allow us to hear what it is that you want to say. God, that we can leave here not only challenged, but changed. It's in the precious, wonderful, holy name of Jesus that I pray and ask. Amen and amen. Look at somebody and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. It is so wonderful to see each and every face, and uh, it's been awesome just as uh, things of getting back to somewhat normal, and uh, we're so thankful for that, and I pray that uh, we've got a lot of things in store today. Uh, As you can tell, uh, we're going to be doing a a baptism uh, at the end of service, and we're looking forward to that, and we're so excited about what God is doing, not only in uh, in the lives of the people here, but in our community, and uh, we're so thankful for that. For the last three weeks, starting on Easter, we began to uh, we began a series entitled Baggage. And we've been looking at things that, that we carry around that we do not have to. Uh, on Easter, we looked at the difference in what it is like to carry your bags through the airport or to walk up to the ticket counter and to put them on a little scale and say, okay, I'm not going to carry these things anymore. I'm going to check these bags and I want you, you're responsible for them from this point. And how that, that when we do that, it it allows you to, to walk through the airport free. It allows you not to be weighed down by these bags that you're dragging behind you and how that life works the same way. We all have baggage. We all have things in our life that, uh, that we carry around and, and we don't have to. We have the option of, of walking up and, and basically laying it on the counter and saying, God, here it is. God, I want you to take care of it. God, I know that if I do this, I'm going to, to mess it up. I'm going to, I, I can't carry it. The weight of it is just too much. God, you take it. It's just a better way to live. The following week, we talked about relational pain. And so many of of us walk around with relational pain. 
things that, that have happened in our life. We understand and we recognize and we know that relationships are important. Uh, it is the way that God designed us. It is the way that he created us. He created us to be in relationship. But with that comes the, the reality that anytime there's people involved, there's a possibility of being wounded. There's a possibility that when we put ourselves out there to enter into a relationship with people, that sometimes they're going to disappoint us. Sometimes they're going to let us down. Sometimes there's going to be situations. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's the people that's closest to us. A lot of times it's the people that you think they would never either intentionally or unintentionally hurt me, but it happens. And these hurts and these pains are real and they hurt. But we looked at how that, that we serve a God who specializes in healing the brokenhearted. He specializes in, in, in bandaging up our wounds. And he says, if you will just reveal them to me, if you'll just let me know and be honest with me and with yourself that you have these hurts, he said, I can heal them. I can help heal the brokenhearted. Last week, we looked at guilt. A lot of people walk around with guilt and often it comes from our view of God. We think that, that God's sitting up in heaven with a huge book with everybody's name in it and, and, and every time that we mess up, he puts a little tally by our name and he just keeps score. He keeps score and, and that's the view that, that we have of God and, and so we spend our entire life thinking that we have to, to pay for our mistakes. We spend our entire lives thinking that, that when we mess up that God stops loving us when it doesn't work like that. I mean, God loves us with a love that will never end. Paul says that he loves us with a love that we can't even be separated from. And he extends his grace to us freely. He says, just follow me. This week, I, I want to look at a, a, another type of baggage that we have. Now, I've told you before, there are some weeks that, that I'm studying and, and preparing for Sunday and everything just flows. And it just, I just can't wait to get up here. And I'm thinking, man, this is just, this is awesome, God. And then there's other times that it's a struggle. And there's other times that, that I go back and forth between thoughts and I just can't really get it all together. And, and, and I can't think of any funny stories to make you laugh. And I'm thinking, man, I've got I've to break the tension somehow. And, and it, it ends up in an argument with me and God. And we're thinking, I'm thinking, God, you know, what are you doing? This has been one of those weeks. And, um, and then at something to 11, I get a, a text message. And anytime your worship leader on a sun, Saturday night at almost 11 o'clock, has two words that says, don't panic. If you've been a pastor, you know it's time to panic. And uh, he follows that up with, but we've got everything controlled and everything is under control. And I felt better then because I knew that the praise band, that they would be fine. But um, it was just one of those days. I said, God, what's next? You know, is the building gonna burn down tonight? But something I've learned in ministry is it's in those weeks it's in those weeks when it seems like that, that everything is, is out of sorts and everything is that God wants to do something. And I believe that God wants to do something here this morning. And so what I'm going to ask you to do for the next few minutes is just to, to lean in and listen to what the Holy Spirit would have to say. Today, I want to talk to you about the bag that won't let go. The bag that won't let go. Have you ever had something in your life that you thought would never go away? Now, since all the teens and stuff have went out, parents, you can be honest. It's your kids, right? You think they're never gonna go away. They are never, they're gonna be here forever. Now, if, if it's your spouse, don't look at them, okay? Because that would be bad. But we have those things in our life that we think they'll never go away. Uh, about going on two years ago now, I started having back problems. And uh, for, so for about a year, a year and a half, every day of my life, when I got up, my back hurt. And I just began to think I'd been to, to therapy, I'd been to chiropractors, I'd been to, to doctors, and, and somebody said, oh, try this, this'll work, try this, this'll work, try this medicine, try that, nothing helped. And I began to think, okay, God, this is it's just never gonna go away. And, and what happens is, is when you have that thing, it, it no longer 
is just a problem, it becomes part of your identity. Because the first thing, and when people saw me, the first thing that they could tell, by the way I was walking, by the way I had to look in my eyes, you're hurting, aren't you? People began to identify me with this back pain. And I was identified. It was no longer just a problem. It was my identity. It was part of who I was. As a matter of fact, I ran into somebody this week that I hadn't seen in a while. And when they looked at me, they said, your back's not hurting, is it? And I said, no, it's not. How can you tell? They said, because I can tell. I can tell by the look in your eyes. I can tell by the way that you're walking. And there's things in our life that, that we've just become accustomed to. And we says, that's just who I am. I mean, it's just my dad was angry, so it's just who I am. It's in my blood. I'm just a, a depressed person. You know, it runs in the family. I, I'm just, I, I can't control my temper. It's just who I am. Whatever it is, you say, it's just, it's, it's my identity. It's who I am. I can't get rid of it. It's part of me. And I told you when we started this series that what the enemy's job is, is what he does and what the world does is every day of your life, filling your mind with lies. The enemy wants you to believe that's who you are. The enemy wants you to believe that you can never change. The enemy wants you to think that it's always going to be that way. But then there's the truth. And the word of God says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That old things have passed away, that all things become new. In other words, he's saying that you don't have to be that way. It's not who you are. You don't have to buy into this whole, it's just who I am. We serve a God who can set you free. We serve a God that, that says it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be our, your identity. Your identity can be in me. But what happens is, is when we start going down this road, we get into it. It's a cycle. It's a cycle in which one thing leads to the next. The first thing that happens when you have this thing that you feel like, this bag that won't let go, this thing that you feel like will never, ever change, the first thing that happens is, is you feel increasingly hopeless. You feel hopeless. You believe that it will never change. As I said with my back pain, that's the way that I got. I was hopeless. I thought, here I am, 46 years old. I can't do the things that I once did. I can't play sports. I, I do, it's everything I can do to, to get out of bed. There's no hope. I've been to every doctor. I've, been, I've tried every therapy. I've tried every medicine that I know of. There's no hope. And you may be here today, you may be listening today, and you that thing, that, that, that bag that won't let go, you may be thinking, I've tried all the self-help books. I've tried all the therapists. I've tried everything that I know to do, and it's hopeless. You may be sitting here today, and you may be thinking, you've, you've already checked out. You're like, oh, man, if I'd have known it was on this, I'd have stayed at the house. I'd have watched online so I could have turned it off or turned it down. And you're thinking, Pastor, it doesn't matter what you say. I, I've tried it, and it's not going to help. You feel hopeless. And this is the hopelessness that, that comes when you fought the same thing over and over and over again. So the, the second thing, the second step in this cycle is, is that you then become defensive. You become defensive. You, you'll say things like, oh, it's not really a problem. Oh, I, 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 can, I can control it. If I wanted to stop it, I could. If I wanted to have to control my temper, I could do it. Or you say this, don't judge me. You don't know what I've been through. You, you don't know the, 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 the pain that I've went through. And, 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 and so you become defensive when, when someone brings it up or when they talk about it. Which leads to the next step, you become a slave to it. This thing in your life, it starts controlling you. This thing in your life, it, it starts telling you how to live your life. And, and everything that you are about is around this thing. And if you think about it, and there may be one area of your life that, that you say it bosses me around. You feel trapped. You feel trapped to this problem. 
and, and you're, you feel like you're in bondage and that, that it's controlling every aspect of your life. And then the last step in this cycle is, is you begin to lose your life. You begin to lose your life. When I was having that back pain, I was just, I thought, my life's over. I'm just going to sit on the couch and, you know, I'll drag myself to the stage on Sundays and preach. But, but I've lost my life. And that happens to us. And we say, even the promises of God. I mean, we read in this Bible and, and the things that are true, and, and you think, well, yes, I believe God, and I believe in what he says, but, but that must just be for everybody else because it's not for me. What I'm going through, what I'm experiencing, will always be a part of my life. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. And Paul was saying, listen, you can let sin control you, but when you do that, you're not living pleasing to God. He says sin doesn't have to be your master. You can live in freedom, not in, in freedom, but freedom from God's grace, not from anything that you can do. And anything that controls our lives, we become obsessed with. It's something that, that a lot of times we just learn to, to cope with it. We just learn to, to deal with it. But, but God has some wonderful solutions. God has some wonderful solutions in, in the Bible that can tell us how to break free from the bag that won't let go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The word spirit there in, is, in the Greek is pneuma. It means the breath of God. And so that verse is saying where, where God's breath is, there is freedom. Where, where God's, where the, the wind is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Your life is changed. You know, what we wanna do here at, at, at Gateway is, is we're trying to create environments where that you can experience the presence of God. Because it's when we're in his presence, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Galatians chapter five, verse one says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery of the law. He's saying, once you're free, he said, you can stay free. Jesus didn't come to, to make you sorry. He came to set you free. And it's only his power and his presence that can set you free. So this morning, I want to give you some things. When you're in this situation, when you've got this thing in your life that's continually controlling you, that you've become a, a master to it, that you've had all kinds of hopelessness, there's some things that, that you need to do. The first thing you have to do is you have to stop the excuses. Stop the excuses. Have you ever, if, if, have you ever uh, had to, to maybe reprimand or punish your, your child over something? And you, uh, you start talking to them and, and uh, you say, you know, why did you punch your brother in the nose? And then the excuses start. Well, I wouldn't have done it if. I wouldn't have done it, but he did this. Or, or why did you do this? Well, it was because of this. Well, at an early age, we, we are trained to, we, we start offering excuses. And we do the same thing in our life. I mean, I understand that there are some things in your life that, that you could blame for how you are. You can say, well, well, my daddy was just mean, and so that's why I am the way that I am. Or I was hurt, or I was abused. Now listen, I'm not making light of any of that. I understand that those Types of things are real. We all have those things in our life. But always blaming it on someone else isn't going to bring you freedom. It's not going to change your situation. There comes a point in a time that you have to stand up and take responsibility for the things in your life. There's times that we have to say, okay, it stops today. Today is the day that I'm not going to blame who I am or the things in my life on my past, on my past experiences, on what I've been through. I'm going to, to stop the excuses. 
Christ is, is offering us a new life, but he says the first thing you have to do is you, you can't make excuses. In Luke chapter 14, we read of a story where Jesus was trying to invite these people to something, to a banquet that would change their life. Something that, that would have made a difference in their life. And we read in starting in verse 18, it says, but they all begin making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife and she won't let me come. So what it said? No. I, I, so I can't come. That was my sense of humor. Um, sorry. But he was offering them a new life and they, they had all of these excuses as to why they couldn't do it. We do the same thing in our lives. God's offering us a new life, but we, we have excuse after excuse after excuse. And, and one of the excuses is, is, I've tried it, but I can't. I've tried to, to overcome that, but I can't. I've tried to, to change, but I can't. My mama told me can't never could do nothing. One of my favorite verses growing up and one of the first Bible verses that I ever learned was Philippians 4.13. When it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ which gives me strength. You see, the enemy spends all week telling you that you can't. The enemy wants you to believe that you can't. But the truth of God's word says that you can not through anything that you can do, not through your power, not through your might, but only through him. He says, with him, you can do it all. With him, you can do everything. With him, you can change. With him, you can be the person that he's called you to be. You can. The second thing is, is you have to cut the ties. Stop the excuses, and secondly, cut the ties. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? You, you can't walk in and say, okay, here are the bags. Here's this bag that won't let go. I'm going to, to lay it right here. But then when you leave, you pick it up and take it with you. When you leave, you walk back out into the same situation that you're trying to walk away from. You go right back to the same stuff. You go right back to the same people. I've told before how that when uh, Christy and I began uh, working at a church and when we walked in, you know, there was a, a, couples, a couple of couples that, that sort of gravitated to us and we thought, this is awesome. You know, we've, we've been missing this for the last few years because, you know, we were in college and when we were in college, we had all kinds of people around and we moved to a place where we were basically isolated. We had no one. And, um, Every, the, everybody at the church we went to were, was like, you know, 180, and we were the kids' pastors. <laughs> um, so we get to this place, and we think, oh, this is awesome. We're going to have people to hang out with. And we started hanging out with them. And, and, and after about three or four weeks, I looked at her, and I said, we can't hang out with these people. They are so negative. And we found ourselves just being dragged down by them. And I said, if we don't get away from them, I'm going to be on every medication known to mankind because I just can't handle it. And so we had to, to make a realization that this negativity is, is destroying us. And we had to, to cut the ties. We had to love them from a distance. And you may look through your life and you may know that, that there are people that are contributing to the way that you are. There are situations that are causing you to stay where you are and, and allowing you not to, to, to get rid of this bag that won't let go. Negative influences. When, when someone comes in and, and they make a decision to follow Christ, I always tell them the first thing you have to do is, is you, you have to change. You have to change the way that you are. You have to change who you're hanging out with. You need to change your phone number. You need to, to do whatever you can do to cut the ties. Negative influences, negative environments. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says it this way, don't be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. Who you run with, 
who you hang out with, who you spend time with, it matters. It matters. And if we don't cut the ties and we keep in that situation, then we're not going to experience freedom. We're not going to experience freedom. We need people in our lives who are positive influences. We need people in our lives who will hold us accountable. Whatever the bag is that won't let go, you need to cut the ties. If we ever want to have the best that God has planned for us, we have to disconnect. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, what we do is, is this tells us that, that there's something that we have to do. If the devil's going to flee, if he's going to, to, to leave you alone, you have to resist him. In other words, we have to make the decision that says, I'm not going to be part of that. I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm not going to do it any longer. Because we put ourselves in situations that then allows this bag to weigh us down. We have to cut the ties. So you say, well, what happens? I mean, if I quit hanging out with those people, if I quit going here, if I quit doing these things, and, and then, then I'm going to feel empty. There's going to be a void. I'm not going to have anything to do. And that's true. But what we have to do is we have to fill the void. When we start taking things out, then we have to start putting things back in its place. What do we replace it with? we replace it with something that's meaningful. Ephesians chapter 5, 18 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we look at that and, and people say, okay, he's, you know, he's just a verse talking about not being drunk. But when I read that, what I read and what I think and, and what I see is that when we have something in our life and we have a void, we try to fill it with all kinds of stuff. We try to fill it with stuff that will control our lives. But instead, it says, fill that void, that emptiness with something meaningful. Fill it with something. And it says, fill it with the Holy Spirit. Something that, that will fill your life, that will make a difference. You say, well, what do I do? How do I do that? Well, the first thing is, is God's word. God's word. That is one way to fill the void. Make a decision to make it part of your life. Does anybody do like uh, one of these 365-day reading programs? Anybody do that? They're awesome. You can get them on your, on your phone, uh, through uh, the Bible app, and it will tell you what you need to read every day. I've tried that, and I will be the first to admit, there are days that, that I, I go and I think, man, I am 37 days behind. And I think, man, I've got to catch up. And so I start just, I'm dedicating this time, and I just go, you ever, uh, if, you, if you're a teacher or if you have kids and, and, and they're doing their schoolwork and they have to read all this, and you say, okay, what did you read? And I say, I don't know. I read a book. I have no idea what I read. But a lot of times we do that with the Word, and we think, man, I've just got to get it done. And we talked about it last, last week. I've got to catch up. But when I'm talking about reading God's Word, well, I'm talking about understanding that it's living, that it's alive. That it's not just a bunch of stories. That it's not just a stuff from, from way back then. We have to make a decision to, to make it part of our lives every day. Every day. And, and what the Word of God says is, is that it will wash us. It will wash us. It says we are cleansed by His Word. And so when you have that void and you're trying to figure out how to fill it, don't fill it with things that aren't meaningful. This book is meaningful. This book will change your life. The second thing is prayer. Prayer. Now, I remember growing up, and uh, I always loved it when we would be at a church dinner. And nothing better than a good church dinner, right? Here you are, you're a kid, you're ready, you've got all this food, and you're thinking, this is going to be awesome. And then they ask brother so-and-so to pray over the meal. And he stands up, and, and as a kid, I can just remember, he would begin, 
Father, we thank thee for thou and this and this blessed. And, and I'm thinking, is this guy from a different country? What is he talking about? And we've been raised in, to think that that's what it means to talk to God, that there's just some kind of secret language that we have to have. We need to, to talk in this, this language. But in all actuality, having a conversation with God is just like talking with someone right here. God understands. God says, you can just talk to me. It's just a, a conversation. Religion wants you to think that, that it has to be something, something great and something grand when all actuality is just a conversation. He understands your weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. He says, just tell me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. He said, I understand your weaknesses. I know what you're going through. I know what that bag is. I know that baggage that you're carrying around. He said, just tell me about it. Just talk to me. When I do marriage counseling, I, I, I tell, you know, that communication is so important. In any relationship, communication is so important. And in our relationship with God is no different. God says, just tell me. Just have a conversation with me. Let me fill that void. The next thing is an accountability partner. Accountability partner. Listen, if you are the only person that knows your struggle, if you're the only person that knows what you're going through, that's an issue. That's a problem. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. What's that saying? It's saying, listen, life groups are not just a program. A lot of us think, well, that's just another program, another thing that the church is just wanting to do to, to, to grow or to make it. No, life groups are not not just a program. It's not just something that we have so that we can say, you know, every church in America has life groups, so we have to have them too. If I didn't believe in them, and if we didn't believe in them as a church, we wouldn't do them. We wouldn't waste your time. But in all actuality, life groups are not a program. They're there to help save your life because I've witnessed it. I've watched it. I've watched people who are struggling and going through things. And when they're have someone that they're accountable to. You ever been on a diet and try to do it by yourself? It's not, it doesn't work. But if you have an accountability partner, you have somebody saying, hey, you know, how are you doing today? How many calories have you had? How much did you work out today? I mean, yeah, it gets on your nerves, but it keeps you on track. You know, you, you maybe, oh, I didn't get that text message. I'm sorry. No, I, no, I, didn't, I had a bagel. That's all. But when you have an accountability partner, someone who knows what you're going through, someone who, who wants to help you get to your goal. You know, coming together like this is great. But life change doesn't happen a lot of times in big settings like this. Life change happens in relationships. Life change happens when people know what you're going through and can help you and can walk with you. Don't try to do it on your own. You need someone. You need someone. And the last thing is ministry. Ministry. Doing something that makes a difference. If you've got a void in your life, do something that makes a difference. If you're sitting here today thinking, man, there's just this emptiness in me. You want to fill that void? Go make a difference in somebody's life. You want to fill that void? Sign up and help park cars or sign up and help watch kids, help shape kids. Because it's when we stop worrying about ourselves, and we get in something and do something that is bigger than we are when in ministry. 
making a difference in people's lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We fill our lives with all of this stuff that we think will fulfill us and we stay empty. But if we want to fill that void, you read God's word, you pray, you say, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. Because when we do that, live free when we do that we forget about that bag that we're carrying around we begin to do something meaningful in life you know if you if you want to change these are the things that will change you that bag that won't let go it doesn't have to identify you it can be gone it can be taken care of he says, you, you have to be willing. You have to want to. You have to take responsibility. You have to quit making excuses. You have to know that only God can change you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I don't have that relationship that you're talking about, I want to tell you that what you do not need is religion. That's not what you need. I've heard people say, I need religion. No, you don't. What you need is a relationship with God. What you need is a relationship with a God who has the power to set you free. And my goal is is to get you into a relationship with that God, that God who can change your life. You don't need religion. You need relationship. We don't have enough power to do it on our own. God says, I want you to walk with me. I want you to have that relationship with me. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I I don't have that relationship that you're talking about or, 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 or I... To be honest, I I may at one time had that relationship, but I just feel so far away from him right now. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Anyone else? I just need a relationship with him. I I have this thing that that, that I can't get over. And and when people look at me and, and that's the way I'm identified and I don't want to be identified that way anymore. Anyone else? Thank you. God says you can be free. You can be free. You don't have to carry it around. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. And we're going to, before we... do one of the most precious things that I love doing is baptizing people but before we do that I'm going to ask you to as they sing I want you to just examine your life and if there's something there that you know that controls you whether it's just bad relationships whether it's anger or depression or all of those things are real but so is God and the Bible tells me that there's nothing in you that's greater there's nothing that you can face that's greater than the God that you can serve so as you examine yourself I'm going to to ask you have communication with him just like we talked about 
You say, Pastor, that, that seems silly. I'm telling you. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. Communication. Just tell him. Tell him your hurts. Tell him, tell him about that thing that, that you seem like you can't get over. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's liberty. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. God, you see every person represented here today. God, you see their hurts, their struggles, their troubles, their trials, their fears, their doubts. You see their anxiety. God, you see it all. God, we go through things in life, and God, we faced it for so long that it's so easy to to think that it's just always going to be this way. God, I pray today that we have been challenged by your word to know that it doesn't have to be that way. God, that your love for us is greater than anything that we face. And God, that there's things in our life that we cannot overcome by ourselves. But God, through you and with you, we can. Father, I pray this morning God, that you will speak to our hearts. Father, that you will allow us to feel your love. God, reassure us. God, that our identity is in you. God, that anything that that, that is in our past is in our past. God, that when when we enter into a relationship with you, that we're made new. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will do all of these things. I come against the lies of the enemy. Father, set people free today. God, may today be the first day of the rest of their life. Jesus.